When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm also your host. My name is Nick Ganbarian. Hello there, Adam. <laughs> Hello there, Nick. <laughs> Ryan's out again. So we have guest hosting, filling in, friend of the pod, co-host of sister podcast, Princess and Scoundrel, Sarah Masiel. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. What an introduction. Got a long title, you know? Yeah, you're big time now. I'm like Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong fandom, sorry. I don't even get that reference. I don't even know what that means. I hate how Game of Thrones ended. <laughs> Season seven was terrible. <laughs> sorry. Same discussion, right? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's mad in that fandom too. Cool. <laughs> Did I even get that stuff right? Was it season seven that was people don't like? I don't even remember. It was a while ago. Yeah, I don't even know. It's all in the past. We've gotten angry about new things since then. (laughs) There's no shortage of things to get angry about. Turns out anything can be something to fight about on the internet. We've seen that this week. I I read a tweet last week that was basically was like, it's a really good time to be a hater. Things suck really bad and people are terrible. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah. Isn't it a better time to be a hater though when people are happy? Like technically, wouldn't you want more people to be mad at for being happy? Because that's yeah, like the true. I know what you're saying. That's the true destiny of a hater is to to ruin be things. mad at people yeah. being happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fair. So let's talk about something that we don't hate that we love as we do every week because our podcast is not full of angry disgruntled a holes. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett as a whole, the season. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to hit some things that we maybe didn't notice along the way. Talk about some overarching things. Give our opinions. We've got a poll from the patrons at the end on their favorite episodes. Let's get into it. What have you done with those plans? The Book of Boba Fett, season one. I don't know if this is a new Disney Plus description that I'm about to read, but I just discovered it the other day. This was definitely not written by Todd or Gary or whatever his name is who does the the (laughs) individual episodes. This one goes like this. The Book of Boba Fett, a thrilling Star Wars adventure teased in a surprised end credit sequence following the season two finale of The Mandalorian finds legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand navigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. It's all one sentence, folks. (laughs) It's like a novel compared to the other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Says it all, though, basically. What if we had taken the description of each episode or each chapter and put it together? Yeah. Right? Might not be as long as this. It would have probably been shorter. (laughs) We have to do it right now. We're going to, hold on, we're doing it real time. The Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett holds court. Boba Fett faces new challenges on Tatooine. Boba Fett must deal with two very different threats. Boba Fett partners with Fennec Shand. An unexpected ally emerges. Mysteries are explored, and Boba Fett learns new information. Boba Fett and Fennec Shand face an escalating conflict. How many words is that? (laughs) Count them. I'm I'm, I'm counting the the one that's in the notes right now. Okay. (laughs) As long as I know how to count, 
the one you just read is 64 words. This is 48. Ah. <laughs> All of the individual episodes put together. Wow. Funny. I enjoy that. You know what? Let's let's say that we enacted change. <laughs> They're like, we got to do better, guys. That's what this podcast is here for. <laughs> to make fun of the thing we love so much that they make changes. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about what the people thought. 7.6 on IMDb overall score for the series. 73% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 60% audience score. Contrast that against The Mandalorian Season 1. 93% with a 92% audience score, and season two, 94-90. So folks not as happy, Yikes. which we've heard. Yeah. Mm. We've heard enough of it. That's a big dip, though. It is. But still, I mean, yeah. 73 is nothing to shake a stick at, as far as I'm concerned. No. Mm-hmm. A gaffy stick? Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I mean, there just is, I think that the no, the difference is noticeable. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that checks out. Yeah. And it's fine. Not saying it's good or bad, but I feel like it's noticeably less as good. <laughs> <laughs> noticeably not quite as absolutely mind-blowingly perfect. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Interestingly though, the Book of Boba Fett finale saw a 36% increase in viewership compared to the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Hmm. Interesting. But it's worth noting, I don't think that's adjusted for the size of the subscribership. Mm. So there was a 12 million subscriber jump first quarter of fiscal 2022, which brought it up to 129.8 million. That's up 37% from the service count the year earlier. So that is not just Star Wars. But how does that timeline work out? We talked about this before. Is this fully relevant timeline-wise? In terms of when, when these fiscal numbers, uh, what time period they actually represent? Because the first fiscal quarter of 2022, you were saying, Sarah, earlier starts when? October. Okay. So, I mean, yes and no, I guess. Yes and no, right? Because that's just one, maybe two episodes of Boba Fett. Interesting. It's really more Hawkeye that was included in those numbers. Either way, things are moving up. Things are moving in a positive direction <laughs> for Disney+, Plus, which means things are going up for Star Wars. So I'm happy. I wonder how, I mean, should look this up and this isn't necessarily Star Wars related, but I wonder how, what'd you say? 129 million subscribers? Like, I really do wonder what Netflix and Hulu and all those come in at. Yeah. That seems like a lot. I feel like it's got to be absolutely up there, if not the top. Right. From everything I've heard, Disney Plus is just crushing everyone. It makes sense. But adding 12 million subscribers in the first quarter of their fiscal year, Mm. how can they keep on that trajectory? That's a lot of people to add. Yeah. You're going to run out of people. <laughs> a quick Google search says 222 million Netflix subscribers. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to look at those things in a vacuum and ignore the fact that Disney, before being an official like 21st century streaming service, had this like decades long history of the Disney Channel mm-hmm. and Disney as a brand and everything else. So it's not like yeah. they just they came to TV on their own as a standalone thing mm-hmm. as as noobs like some of the other networks are. But Still, it's impressive. It's super impressive. Netflix is how old? Like 15 years old now by this point? Yeah, and like that doesn't even include they weren't streaming from day one. Right. Right. I'm impressed. Color me impressed. Uh, We should also note that filming started in November 2020. Production started earlier than that. So pre-pro, which would include building out assets for the volume and all kinds of stuff like that, writing everything. That year was a mess. Really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Robert Rodriguez admitted uh, in The Hollywood Reporter that things had to be rushed to to stay on schedule. They were worried about the set being shut down every single day, all the pandemic stuff. So any haters, let's let's take these things into consideration and look at the larger picture. 
Because, yeah, there are going to be things that we wish we may have seen more of or this or that, but what a show. I think it was amazing, regardless. What do you folks think? Any overarching thoughts about the season as a whole? I mean, I mean, the biggest thing for me is that I am now prepared for any series for me basically to tune in at midnight and it'd be a different show. Yeah. I think that that's something different. That, that's something <laughs> to take away from how they're going to tell stories from now on. I don't think that's a flash in the pan. I, and honestly, I kind of like it because I think that it's not like the roles were reversed and we were watching this kick-ass Mandalorian story and then it went on a side quest with Boba Fett talking to Trandoshans for 30 minutes. It's It was the other way around where it was like, oh, they took a left turn and it was the two best episodes of like almost any Star Wars television that we've had so far. So if the left turns or the secret episodes or whatever it's going to be in the future series are bangers like they were in this first season of Boba Fett, then I'm all for it. But I do think it's a, it's a storytelling device. I think they're going to bring in kind of secretly one or two episodes from here on out that are relevant to Star Wars overall and not necessarily what we were watching the week previous. I would say that would be kind of my beef with Book of Boba Fett is that it was very different vibes between the Boba Fett episodes and the Mandalorian episodes. It was very jarring. And I almost wish that they did like how they did the Clone Wars where it was the Clone Wars and it had all of these offshooting stories on different characters. I wish we just had like a, I called it this before, the Spice Wars and so yeah. we follow Mando for a while. We follow Boba for a while. But regardless, it's more Star Wars and it was all fantastic. Whether it was a little slower pace or it was in your face Mando episodes, it was all new Star Wars and it was great. Yeah, I'm right there with both of you. And, and I think the naming thing is really the only actual issue that I think is worth having legitimate beef with, for lack of a better term. Because like you said, if it was called the Spice Wars or something else... No one would have batted an eye. They may not have loved it as much as they did the Mandalorian, but if it was just called the Mandoverse or whatever, it's all it's all great stuff. It's all amazing. And I had fun watching every episode. I can say that without a doubt. Agreed. So let's get into some discussion about some specific points, some stuff we maybe left out or or discussed but need further discussion now. One thing I have at the, at the top of the list, on the overall topic of... Lucasfilm giving us what we want or what we claim that we deserve. I'm using the the royal we, we as a fandom. <laughs> I really file this in that same folder that I put anything that we as musicians hear from fans and think like, dude, you're not a member of this band. <laughs> yeah. like we, we make this music for ourselves, first and foremost. Lucasfilm is such a secretive organization, which I think is great. I actually love that. I, I love the days when leaks weren't like, Every single day, we didn't know exactly what characters were coming in a Disney show, whatever. They keep it secretive so they can give us those big surprises, but they also keep the details dark about who actually contributes to a given project. So when we're talking about who wrote what, how much of the, call it blame for anyone who's angry, how much of that blame would fall on a director versus a writer versus a producer, Everything seems to be Kathleen Kennedy's fault as far as the haters are concerned. Everything in this show seems to be Robert Rodriguez's fault as far as the haters are concerned. But again, it's like not our right to know. We don't have a right to all this information. It's a privilege. They're still just a company just making a product ultimately. It's a product that we all care about, but they're doing this creative thing that they are creating. This group of people have hired a group of people to work with this intellectual property. We haven't been hired by those people. We're the audience. We're the fans. So 
I'll get off my soapbox here, but I just, yeah. Do, do I want to see different things sometimes? Yes. Do I want to see more or less of some things? Yes. But it's not my right. It's a privilege that this stuff exists, period. And maybe that makes me sound like a shill, but that's how I legitimately feel. Well, to me, it's just it's something that we go back to. And like, you know, I think that the people who listen to our podcast appreciate where we come from. And I think in a general sense with our podcast, we are open to liking Star Wars and loving Star Wars. You have to be open to enjoying it. Like you can't yeah. go into it and be like, well, let's see how they screwed it up this week. Oh, yeah. there it is. You know, it's like you can't just come into it wanting to hate it. And that goes for almost anything, music, any other shows, movies, sports, anything. It's like you just have to work backwards from you're watching television, you're listening to a podcast, you're listening to music, whatever. You have to, why are you doing that? To have fun, to escape real life, to enjoy yourself. It's like, why do you want to know the ins and outs of things? Just to bring it back to my own career, in my band, I really do pride myself on like maybe my biggest contribution to my band is the fact that I continue to be a fan of things. I don't necessarily want to know the ins and outs of every single, like I'm not a gear guy, you know, like I'm, mm -hmm. I don't have 10,000 basses and pedals and guitar amps and all this stuff. Like I genuinely want to keep the essence of why I picked up a bass and picked up an instrument and I want to enjoy that because ultimately that's the most fun to me. So like I want to kind of keep like this very surface level enjoyment of what I do. That's like sacred to me. And I take that kind of aspect to anything that entertains me is I want to be open to enjoying what is being presented. I don't need to know the ins and outs of everything because when you get in the weeds, things start to get a little shady, you know, it's like you have to take some things for what they're worth. And obviously we have a podcast, so we're going to get more in depth with some things. But in general, like more information, I think, tends to like water down the product. So you have to like... And the experience. Yeah, exactly. So you have to kind of like figure out your own line of how much information is too much information, how much spoiler or leaks or whatever is just too much for you to just not enjoy things anymore. So, I mean, that's going to be different on an individual basis, but I have a hard time. I keep coming back to this concept of like, I can't tell other adults how to emotionally accept things, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, if there were younger people in my life, maybe I'd be like, listen here, when I was your age, I could do this, but I'm not telling people my age group or older how to like, especially dudes. I'm not telling other dudes in my life <laughs> that are my age how to uh, be emotionally intelligent. Hey, but you did say something that you can just repeat. You like one of the best quotes that's come out of this podcast is from you and it's a smart ass comment, but it, it really lands. Imagine liking the thing that you like. <laughs> So imagine that. Yep. yep. Sarah, thoughts? Honestly, I think of Nick's quote all the time, but it's almost like when you're watching it, you start a TV show and you really like it in the beginning and it keeps going on and on. You're like, I'm not enjoying this as much. And you still keep watching it because you like the first couple episodes. I feel like that's what's happening with the fandom right now is they really liked the original trilogy and they don't like the things that are coming out lately, but they keep watching it and they keep getting angry about it. And if <laughs> yeah. it's... If it's taking that much of your time and energy to not like something that's being created now that maybe you liked an earlier iteration of, don't spend your time on it anymore. Like move on, find a new thing. It's okay. Yeah. Maybe you didn't actually like it that much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or maybe you don't like this anymore. Or you misinterpreted you it. You misinterpreted something, you know, because yeah. you're so, maybe you're so open to like your, your internal algorithm made you 
think something was better or different really than what was actually being presented to you. Right. So I don't know. When you watch something as a kid, you don't see all the things that we see and nitpick on. I think Hondo's talking about it too in the chat. Like when you see it as a kid, you're just purely watching and enjoying something. As you get older, you start noticing these things more and more. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't great. And that's okay. If it doesn't make you happy, just move on. Yeah. Let us enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's actually a great thing that ironically, a friend of mine who's a huge Star Wars fan, who is kind of a disgruntled old guy said years ago when we were in high school and he really liked the band Everclear on their first album, their second or third album came out and he's like, I don't know, this one's not as good, whatever it was. He just wasn't into it. And then a few months later, maybe a couple of years later, I don't remember. He was like, you know what? I think I realized that I just don't like this kind of music anymore. <laughs> I don't think it's not good. I just, I don't think I like that kind of music anymore. Totally. And it was yeah. like super enlightening as a teenager. I was like, whoa, <laughs> yes, a person can change. <laughs> and you can just not like something anymore that you used to like, that you used to love. I listen to some bands now that are completely unlistenable to me, completely. Even the original stuff that I, that I loved. So it is possible that you... I'm talking to you, disgruntled fan. Maybe you are the problem. It's possible. Anyway, moving on. Discussion. We had a certain interpretation of the line from Ahsoka in chapter six, just like your father, that she said to Luke. We were thinking it was more a reference to Grogu being Mm -hmm. like Anakin. Most people didn't take it that way. They took it the other way. Yeah. Is there, I, I have notes here that I can't remember where I actually heard this, someone talking about it, but without looking at that, do either of you have an interpretation that works with her saying this to Luke? I was confused on first viewing because she was looking at Luke and said that. And I was like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. And then when we recorded, you and Ryan both said the opposite where he was, you know, she was referencing Grogu. And I was like, oh, I think that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, I, I'm, you're right. We're the only people who've really brought that up that I've that I've seen. So I don't know. I definitely need to unpack what that necessarily would mean if she is talking, saying that Luke is like Anakin, because I don't really get it in that scene necessarily. I don't know what she's referencing. Yeah, I feel like it was it was such a standout line. I hope that we get to see what she was implying with it at some point. I don't know that we will or if it was just like, oh, here's a little nugget for you guys. Y'all figure it out. But I would love to know what her thinking was. So the line Luke said before that, he wonders if Grogu's heart is in it. And then she responds, much like your father or just like your father, whatever she said. So what does that, what could that mean? Did, are we forgetting or not really taking with us from the Clone Wars that, did Anakin question Ahsoka a lot? Well, he also said, like he kind of questioned his own teaching in a way. He was like, I'm more just like reminding him what he already knows. I'm not really mm-hmm. teaching him much. Yeah. And kind of expressed a little bit of hesitance, hesitancy, mm-hmm. whichever word is the right word, about training Grogu, period. And the, again, nothing made sense to me in the moment, but someone referenced this in a video, uh, a breakdown I watched, that Anakin didn't want a Padawan at all at first when Ahsoka showed up and didn't know how to handle it, didn't know what to do with her. She, you know, she kind of proved herself as very powerful and independent, and he was very powerful and independent, and there, there was... You know, at first glance, it's maybe not the best pairing and he first glance for him as well, but it turned around and I, I, I would guess that Ahsoka is remembering that and thinking, yeah, your dad didn't know about me either. I don't know. It's still a little 
bit of a stretch to me given the specific handful of words that are in that exchange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever get like a, a, a further discussion or a reveal as to what that actual dialogue meant. Maybe we will if there's a Disney Gallery episode. I would like to. <laughs> please. Please tell us. <laughs> Pretty please. Yeah, Dave and John, please. But at the same time, Luke wasn't forced to pick up Grogu. He was like, you know what? We're going to go to this planet. We're going to build a temple. We're going to do this. So I don't see that being the reference. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. One thing that I, I really, really wish we did get to see more of, and I think this is a legitimate want, I won't call it a gripe. I really wish we would have seen some Rancor riding training. Give me a little Rocky montage. I really would have loved that. Yeah, I agree. Yep. It definitely added to, because I think we sort of touched on this previously, but because we've gotten so many montages in the Favreau and Filoni era, yeah. it's weird that we didn't get one of him riding a Rancor. And therefore, in Chapter 7, I almost assumed he wasn't going to come and save the day on the Rancor because we didn't see that. So that was yeah. like almost this like mini surprise. I was like, oh, okay. No montage? All right. He's just riding it. Cool. Here we go. Here's a question. I think I have an answer. Question for you two. Could the book of Boba Fett have been a two-hour feature film instead? Yes. Hmm. Yes, it could have. I think so. Yeah. I think there would have needed to have been some more actual high-end stakes earlier, but I think Like so. a central kind of, yeah. 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 There's a lot of like exposition, with mm-hmm. a, not a lot of like story building yeah. You definitely could have taken all of the Tuscan stuff and wrapped that into like the first act mm-hmm. of a flashback and then a jump forward or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would have been awesome, actually. Like a little holiday special. <laughs> in, in hindsight, I look at what I thought about the potential for Boba Fett as a character. And I, I always wondered from the earliest rumors that there was going to be a movie, like, what are they going to do a whole movie about? And now it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. That would have been a great movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have worked great. Yep. Would it have gotten everyone out to the theaters? Yes, no, I don't know. But in, the, in this climate uh, of pandemics and stuff, obviously it was a better bet to make it a, a series. Last question in this discussion. Luke is still wearing black. We talked about this a little bit, like the idea of where he is as a character at this point compared to where he is as a character in The Last Jedi. Luke in The Return of the Jedi, you know, sort of uh, final scene, that flap on his black outfit folds open so you see the, the light underneath, right? So the idea was to the ambiguity of whether or not Luke was actually going to turn to the dark side. So we see him, we, we meet up with him a few years later here, and he's still in all black. So I think, it, I think that was a very purposeful choice, obviously, like to show that he's not absolutely on the, the straight and narrow to being the wisest Jedi <laughs> alive. <laughs> discuss, let's discuss. Yeah, I mean, I could go either way. I, if there's a narrative there... I'm all for it, but I do also think that there's so much care and attention given to the casual fan who hasn't seen the prequels or the sequels. They've only seen the original trilogy. And Mm -hmm. if Luke Skywalker is going to come back, got to be the same haircut, got to be basically the same outfit. So the impact is there. So I I, I see both sides of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they were doing what was familiar but I do feel like it was a missed opportunity to evolve his character in a way that's leading to where he's going to be in Last Jedi, primarily. He should have been wearing Fifty Shades of Grey. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it absolutely purposeful to to anchor him in that sort of most arrogant time in his life where he was 
he was wearing it more to represent like, hey, I'm the, I'm the most badass Jedi in the galaxy rather than, and, and they wanted to portray him that way because he still is like, he's, he's still learning, right? Yeah. Clearly, because everything he builds is going to crumble. So I don't know. I think, I think it was a purposeful choice on all levels. I think it, 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 it's a convenient choice because like, like you're saying, he's familiar to the casual fan, but there's also something deeper. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's, you know, if we're going to fire the head cannon, I think that there, there's for sure something to do there. And Mike is even saying this in the, uh, in the chat here that it's a way to, to kind of honor his father and the redemption and also slightly pivot that Jedi can be a little bit more, what's the word here? Just a uh, fashion sense. Je- <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of fashion sense, I mean, in his like second black outfit, he definitely has on like some Skechers adjacent footwear. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. Because when you first see him, I think he's got boots on. And then in the next like more training scene, he's definitely wearing some straight up sneakers, which is pretty yeah. funny. What am I trying to say? I mean, just that there's more depth to Luke at this point. It's not necessarily, yeah. it's everything he's been through. And now he's going to get into the Jedi texts. So I think that that's where he's going to then get the brown Jedi robes and stuff like that. The more he gets into those texts, he's going to start to look more like Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan and grow the beard and get the long hair and all that type of stuff. All right, let's move on to the den. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh, it's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. There's a handful of stuff that we missed along the way that we'll talk about here and some other things that I kind of dug up. The first one being all the many roles of actor Chris Bartlett, Chris F. Bartlett on Instagram, if you follow him. I think he was first uh, most noticed as the teacher droid in Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. He had been in, before that, a handful of stuff, but that's when he was brought to my attention because I, I think we were all thinking like, who's that droid? Who's that teacher droid? And then he kind of spoke up. I started following him. But going back to chapter one, I'm going to list all the roles that this dude has done. He played the ferryman. Ferryman? Ferryman? How would one say uh, one who operates a ferry? Ferryman. Uh, in chapter one, he was the bounty hunter droid in chapter three. He played Q9O or Q90. Was the physical performer in the, uh, in the costume in chapter six. The RA7 protocol droid in chapter seven and 16. Then the teacher droid in chapter 12. And then one of the gunners in the Imperial Refinery on Morak in Chapter 15. And then moving on to the Book of Boba Fett, he played the UK-2B droid, physical performance there too. He played one of the droid servers in Chapter 2 and 6, probably in the Sanctuary, I'm assuming. Physical performance there. Uh, The Traffic Protocol droid in Chapter 3, probably just a voice. And then, I thought this was so awesome, the Cascadag is the species we learned on Glavis, which is the, the ring world, in that long shot where Mando gets in the elevator and he's standing next to that alien with the awesome looking head. And it's kind of like, uh, what's in the bag there, buddy? That's him too. Huh. So all over the place, old Chris Bartlett. Seriously. Good for him. Did he get credited for any of this? Is he? Okay. I hope he's getting paid too. I hope he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a flat fee. <laughs> I don't think I saw him for everything in the actual show credits, but you go to Wikipedia, you go to IMDb, it's, yeah, hella credits. Right now, uh, this might look like me, but it's actually Chris Bartlett. Whoa. <laughs> He's got a mocap, Nick Ambarian mocap on. You're real good, Chris. Real good. <laughs> Dude, that prosthetic beard is spot on, though. 
you know? This is all behind me is the volume of Nick's uh, living room. It looks so real. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Chapter five, the term wizard that we referenced as being a reference to the Phantom Menace, Kitster, right? Was mm-hmm. it who said it? Yep. Anakin's little friend talking about his pod, Anakin, Annie, this is so wizard, whatever. Turns out that term goes back as far as 1968, at least. Stephen Stanton pointed this out on Instagram. The 1968 film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, starring Dick Van Dyke, they're singing a song while they're flying in this car, and it goes like this. It's wizard, it's smashing, it's keen. (laughs) Interesting. Got to start using it now. Bring it back. It's a great word. Um, The animals hanging in the butcher shop in chapter five at the beginning, uh, they look like cows. It looks like a normal, I mean, I'm sure they are in real life. In the butcher shop, they're actually most likely nerfs. Nerfs, as we know from scruffy looking nerf herder that are basically cattle in the Star Wars universe. Is this the first time we've seen nerf? In Nerfs. live action. <laughs> Must be, right? It would be great if plural is also nerf. <laughs> nerf. <laughs> nerf or yeah. nothing. There's a dozen nerf out there. Um, yeah, probably in, yeah, live action, I would think so. I think there may be only in comics, the stuff that I referenced that looked like that, but there they are. Well, there's some of them. Yeah, there's portions of them <laughs> <Portions>. there. <laughs> a little bit here, a little bit there. <laughs> um, keeping it with, um, in the ballpark of the Darksaber and things, talking about chopping stuff up. We talked about whether or not there was any mention of the Darksaber being heavy before. And we did mention kind of vaguely Sabine's training with Kanan. Going back now, I noticed she does say it. She does reference the weight of it straight up. As she starts to kind of get a feel for it better, she says it feels lighter. And Kanan says, well, you're connecting with it. That's why. So that is not new stuff here in The Mandalorian. That's, that road has been laid out in Rebels. Let's see what else. On the ring world... The shot that we referenced earlier in the elevator, that shot, if you notice, is a one a tracking shot, a continuous single shot going up the elevator into the sort of banquet room where he delivers the head and then goes back out, back down the elevator. That's a two minute and 18 second one tracking shot. And I would have to guess that's probably by far the longest in all of Star Wars. That's a long shot. But I can't think of anything else that would be longer or even approaching that no definitely not it's incredible yeah that's some good fella stuff that's some uh that's some stuff and there's a lot of people too in that scene when he gets up the elevator and goes in to to deliver the head there was a ton yeah. of people in that scene i would assume if they do a disney gallery on this we'll see a breakdown of that shot and i can't wait to see what the volume does you know how it moves around him as he goes in and out moving set pieces in and out who knows if that elevator is even practical at all or mm-hmm. if it's just like a door and he moves out of it and they move that door on, on some dollies, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could be everything behind him on the volume is moving and it's really just kind of a visual trick where everything yeah, behind him is moving yeah. and then he just steps out and then the volume where he's walking towards is just, it was always there 10 feet away, but it just looks different now because of the camera tracking and the volume and all that stuff. I mean, that makes the most sense, right? Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. I'd love to also see like on the ground, all the gaff tape in different colors with you know, all the marks he has to hit, you know, <laughs> to make all that work. A couple more from chapter five. We did mention that in Beggar's Canyon, when Mando's testing out the new ship, there's a womp rat right in the foreground, which ducks as he goes over it. He doesn't bullseye the womp rat. The womp rat lives. Thank you. And then there are remnants of the broken gate on the ramp in Beggar's Canyon, where Anakin busted through 
in the Phantom Menace. Still there. They didn't manage to fix the gate in 30 years or whatever. There's no like city maintenance comes and cleans it up. The Empire's uh, infrastructure bill didn't pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raise those taxes. <laughs> in chapter six, there's an absolute like just lay the old shot over the new one and watch them line up perfectly. Reference to Han Solo when Cobb Vanth walks up on the pikes doing that spice deal out in the middle of the desert. He walks in from the left side of the frame. He's got, you see his holster. It's kind of just, you know, like a lower ribs to mid thigh kind of shot. And it is spot on Han Solo walking into frame when he approaches Jabba in the special edition version of A New Hope. It's exactly like, you know, the kind of the location of the pikes versus the location of Jabba, the shot with Han and Cobb. It's, it's really awesome. And then, um, the reference to the stripes on his belt buckle that we talked about, the red and white stripes, those are confirmed the same as the stripes on the Marshall Medal that Cara Dune has. So Nick referenced that. Confirmed. Nick also put in here the rib cage of the crate dragon is now in the cantina in Freetown. How'd they get that in there? It looked like it was all in one piece. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> impressive. It was like a little museum bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Then next to it's the gift shop where you can buy the stuffed uh, Tyrannosaurus and like, you know, you buy the, the chocolate dino eggs. Yeah. And you like break it open and the, the skeleton's inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the Order 66 flashback in chapter six, we speculated that it was maybe Syndralog, the uh, sort, sort of like pulled back high ponytail, older Jedi. Definitely not because he was seen being killed in the uh, hollow footage by Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. So. Squash that one. Whoops. Chapter seven, the V-35 speeder that we referenced being in the Lars Homestead garage is also seen in the special edition of A New Hope. The the shot that everybody talks shit about where there's a bunch of stuff going on in the foreground, the Jawa or whatever is kind of like getting slung around by that big creature. And then that speeder goes right in front as a dude walks the opposite direction. Same model. The Scorponek droids, we also reference being Concept art that were done for The Phantom Menace. Turns out they're actually concept art for Attack of the Clones. Doug Chang, concept artist and creative director for Lucasfilm, recently shared his original sketch on Instagram, and it's dated May 3rd, 2000. So, obviously not The Phantom Menace. Wow. A long time ago. Isn't that dope, though? Well, it's cool, because I feel like we've talked about how much Ralph McQuarrie stuff they reuse, and I remember being like, they're going to run out eventually, but... If they have decades of Doug Chang stuff and whoever else is doing concept art, then I think we're good. I think we're going to be good. I think we're good. But it's cool they reference that stuff versus just coming up with new things each time they need something. Right. Out of whole cloth, yeah. Speaking of old stuff, Boba's targeting system, when he fires the missile at the Scorponek droid, when he does his little bend over maneuver, it has the same sound as Vader's targeting system during the A New Hope trench run when he locks on one of the X-Wings. Same sound. The rickshaw that Pelimato shows up do you say moto or motto? Motto, I say. Motto. Same. I keep hearing people say moto. Hmm. Anyway, Pelly shows up with Grogu during, you know, amidst all the, the mayhem in that rickshaw. That's just like the one, including the droid in front that Anakin and Padme ride in Attack of the Clones when they go to see Watto and they're trying to find Shmi. Ah. Yeah, I was too distracted in that scene thinking it was Indiana Jones that I forgot to be like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drash, the, uh, the lead mod, the girl with the red arm. She says, I grew up a womp hop from here. A womp hop. <laughs> womp womp loop womp. Yeah. 
they're just like they're throwing in so many little slang terms in this series, and I love it so much. Um, Amy Sedaris, your girl, Nick. Love her. Amy Sedaris and Dave Pasquese, the major domo Twi'lek, the two of them actually performed together. I don't know if they were in class together, but they definitely performed together at the Chicago Second City Improv School. They were also together on a show called Strangers with Candy. And then he also appeared on Amy Sedaris's show At Home with Amy Sedaris on True TV. They were so good together. Amazing. Yeah, you could just tell. I would love a spinoff show of just them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much you want to bet we go back we go back to Tatooine and they're like a couple, but they're trying to act like they're not a couple, you know, and they're like, they keep getting seen in each other's places, you know. She has to pretend to be dating another Jawa. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, no, 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 we're not together. I'm with this guy. No, he's not my type. <laughs> that guy with the tails. Can we, can we talk about the biggest one that we talked about in our chat? The biggest den of antiquities Easter egg that really I thought that I was the first person ever to figure this out. But then you said you you figured it out and found a meme about it. <laughs> I don't know how on earth. I, I was just sitting in bed probably a little high or something. And I was just like, Mayor Makshaiz, Mayor Makshaiz, Mayor McCheese, Mayor McCheese. <laughs> and I'm just immediately was like, I'm thinking of the writing table. And they're like, Filoni's like, yeah, well, we'll just have the mayor, Mayor, uh, 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 Mayor McCheese. Just write down Mayor McCheese for now. And then they turn it <laughs> yes. into Mayor Makshaiz. You know, like it's just yes. a totally a joke. There's no way at the writing table they weren't referencing him before they had yes. a name for him. It was Mayor McCheese, and then they just... Has to be. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Mayor McCheese, it's been there the whole time. Whole time. It's brilliant. Um, we, we've talked about R5, the uh, the astromech droid in Pelly's shop, who was the one who is responsible for everything working out in the Skywalker saga, sacrificing himself when Owen Lars was trying to buy him, R2 taking his place so he could deliver the message and so on. Can you imagine... What it feels like to be that droid and watch R2-D2 pull up in an X-Wing and you're still just in your hometown, <laughs> just working for some lady in a, a shop, you know, because he's right there when R2 shows up with yeah. Grogu and he's like looking up like, hey man, how's life? How you been? Okay. I'll be here if you need me. Oh, poor little guy. Gonna get some more wrenches thrown at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else do you need? What other part of myself do you want me to blow up for your agenda? Thanks for nothing, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> uh, Grogu putting the Rancor to sleep. Real quick. This connection bond to animals thing is something we see and we posted about this. The Star Wars Parallels Instagram account posted the side-by-side -side of Anakin with the Reek in Attack of the Clones in the uh, the arena where he uses the Force to kind of settle settle down that animal. And then Kanan with the Lothcat and Ezra with Purgil is how you say that? Yeah, the Purgils. Yep. And Rebels. So this is different from like the, uh, this is much different. This is a larger conversation, I guess, about Grogu's growth. Instead of just force choking things that are potentially dangerous, whether it's Cara Dune coming too close to his dad or the Mudhorn, he's learned, he's evolved. Where hopefully maybe this dark side is kind of getting pushed out. Maybe not. Maybe it's misdirection. Maybe he's still going to be an evil little bastard. We'll find out. But it was, uh, it was a cool parallel. And... I think a little a little glimmer of hope that he won't actually go on to be a red lightsaber child-killing Sith. <laughs> I wonder if it was also because the Rancor is also young, you know? Yeah, yeah, like it's that's like, a good point. I, when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh my God, they're like cousins because 
Boba yeah. has the Rancor and then Mando has Grogu. <laughs> and I was like, he wouldn't hurt him, right? <laughs> so maybe he knew that it was, you know, it's just a kid. Like, yes, he's trying to eat your dad, but he doesn't, he's just a little teething toddler. Who knows? Yeah, like he's screaming on the playground. And he just comes over and offers the rest of his fruit snacks. Right. <laughs> his dinosaur fruit snacks or his Dunkaroos <laughs> or whatever he has, you know. Sit down, but it's okay. I was mad today too. Yeah, let's just take a nap. Let's lay down and take a nap. <laughs> I love that. All right, lastly, and this isn't so much a den of antiquities thing, but it, it's like a little, a question. Is it possible because the spice in Star Wars is clearly taken from Dune and the look of spice that we finally see in uh, chapter four or whatever it was, chapter five, whatever, when Cobb Vanth shuts down that spice deal and he kicks over the box, it looks just like the Dune stuff. It's kind of golden and shimmery. Is it possible, just like E.T., that... Arrakis and all the other planets in Dune are in the Star Wars universe. Oh, why not? I say why not too. <laughs> yeah. E.T.'s in there, right? Yeah. E.T.'s in the universe. Yeah. It's a big galaxy. All right. Prove us otherwise. Come at us. Come at us, bro. That that one dude looked just like Poe in Dune. They got to be related. <laughs> there it is. Question answered. They're long lost twins. Another set of twins in the galaxy. <laughs> Brilliant. I love you. I know. Let's do this first. Let's talk about favorite quotes and favorite scenes, and we will reference some of the patrons' favorites in Discord. Well, the correct answer is from Stacy. The best quote is, is that a bench? <laughs> That's the best. I love that so much. The meme, dude. I, I reposted the meme. <laughs> the four shots of Mando having no idea what's going on. Like, yeah. does this look Jedi to you? Yeah. Are you a Jedi? Is this a bench? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I mean, some of these are just funny, you know, like someone said, dated a Jawa for a while. They're quite furry. Or like a bantha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a bantha. <laughs> Great. Good moment. Oh, this one was heavy, a heavy moment. Uh, Lost Heroes 13 said, but he's right there. Oh, you know, God. When, when oh. he was watching Grogu up on the hill there with Luke. Boy, that was great. Whoa, that's a terrible name. No way am I calling you that. <laughs> the most meta line in all of Star Wars. <laughs> that was great. Logi Wan Kenobi referenced... So much like your father as his favorite, like we talked about earlier. It seems like everyone in our Discord or a lot of people on our Discord are really just overall liking the humanization of the Tuscans, which I definitely back. And it was very shocking, almost not in a good way that they were humanized in one episode and then killed in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. But, but we cared because they were, you know? I enjoyed that journey. Here's what I want to know. How did Grogu get that chain mail on? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that should be the mid credit scene, Luke putting it on him. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> or do you think Luke was like, okay, fine, you choose the shirt. Put it on yourself. Here's an Uber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get out. Change your own diaper. Like, very uh, Adam Sandler, big daddy moment. Like, <laughs> where would you want? What do you want to call yourself? Frankenstein? All right, that's your name. That's a terrible name. <laughs> How about you two? Favorite scene or quote? Let's do favorite scene. That's probably easier than digging up a quote from the whole series. I... I it is still mind-blowing to me, just the kind of the end of the training sequence where Grogu is on Luke's back and in the backpack and they go up that bamboo and whatever Luke says there. I mean, that shot to me, it, it's heavy in a Star Wars sense, but I think that's the best-looking shot of Luke that, I again, my brain just can't comprehend what I'm looking at. Yeah. I can't believe that, I'm, that that exists. So really just, I mean, everything in chapter five was why they keep secrets. This is why they're so secretive about what they're doing because 
that was so mind-blowing. Chapter six, sorry. It was just so mind-blowing to me, and it still is to the point of I'm thinking about it a lot, but I'm not watching it a lot because I want to keep it special. Same thing with chapter uh, 16 of The Mandalorian. I've really not watched Luke's Return that much because the excitement to me still like lives in me. I don't want to ruin it by watching it too much. I'm glad it existed. I've probably seen it like under 10 times, which is low for me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's just the, the excitement still lives. I don't need it to be like sparked yet. And that that's the same thing with chapter six. It's like I've probably watched it like four times maybe. And it's just so crazy to me. So <sighs> very cool. So... My favorite scene, and I don't even want to share it now because both mine and Nick's favorite scenes have nothing to do with Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. But Pelly Motto writing in the rickshaw, picking up Mando, and then Mando and Grogu being reunited in that moment where there was so much tension and stress and conflict leading up to that. We've waited a year. Will we ever see Mando and Grogu get back together? We weren't going to know the week before. You know, but he's right there. Like you see them in the yeah. same shot and you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to wait till Mando season three to maybe get this reunion. And then you have this big battle with the finale and then you get this like comic relief of seeing them together. And I was just like laughing and crying and screaming, like all the emotions just shot out of my body at once because it's something yeah. we waited for for so long. And, and it was there in the middle of this like, super intense, fast paced episode. Like my body, I just could not handle it, but yeah. I'm so glad we got it. I thought we were going to have to wait another year for it. I'm so glad we got it when we did. Did you notice that Grogu force jumped or force pulled himself yeah. up <laughs> to Mando? Just like, uh, boo. <laughs> yeah, that was great. It was satisfying. Very satisfying. I, I know what my favorite scene is for sure, but second place, honorable mention would be the, I'm, I'm going to combine the last little fight training montage with Boba and the female warrior, Tuscan warrior, where he finally kind of gets it with the, the gaffy stick. And then when he creates his own, the montage of him actually carving it, being taught how to carve it. I just, I thought that was beautiful. And then my favorite is dialogue or not, just seeing Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka standing next to each other. That moment, that little handful of dialogue is far and away my favorite. Just like Nick was saying with seeing Luke, period, like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like yeah. in complete disbelief because we've talked so much about imagine what it's going to, I have goosebumps now, imagine what it's going to be like hearing Ahsoka tell Luke stories about his dad. And then it, <laughs> and it happened. Like it, it happened in a show where we wouldn't ever expect that to happen. And we, right. it just got dropped on us and it blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just so that's the, my favorite. it's this weird storytelling device where the implications of what happened previously off screen are actually heavier than what we're watching, uh -huh. but it makes what we're watching heavy. Yeah. It's very strange because I, I had this conversation with my buddy and I was like, is the writing good on this show? Like, is it, is anyone winning awards for the writing, the actual script, or is the storytelling what they're excelling at? And it really is the storytelling. Like there's, if you looked at the script for any of these shows, it's probably like two pages worth of words, you know, like it's really not that much <laughs> going on, but the story is incredible. And that also does rely on us knowing a little bit. Someone like Mama Gambarian, she's following along, but she's getting like half the story. And I'm sure most people 
out there are getting half the story yep. and nerds like us are getting the full thing, which makes it so much better. And sobbing yeah. as yeah. we watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we reveal the winner of the favorite episode poll and give our votes, let's read a little bit from the patrons about the series overall. Things they put in the comments on that poll. Sarah, you want to read a little bit from the patrons? Sure. So Hunter Smoke says, despite six and seven being some of the best Star Wars content we've ever gotten, he has to go with two. Five and six just didn't feel like episodes of Book of Boba Fett, where two was the episode that really shined when it came to showing character development and world building surrounding Boba himself. Retweet. And then Brandon Christensen says, I never really got Boba Fett before, but I loved what they were doing with him in the first few episodes. That being said, Mando's still my guy. And so I just did not stop smiling for the entirety of the return of the Mandalorian. But my absolute favorite moment of the season was Boba and Din's exchange about being with each other till they both fall. Yeah, that was solid. That was really good. Hey, maybe that's some foreshadowing for like years to come where they're in that same position and... Boba Fett actually dies. <gasps> oh, dude, I think you're, I, that's a great, great, great prediction. Thanks. I just thought of that right now. You're very smart and handsome. <laughs> you're a good man and thorough. <laughs> also have to shout out Chris Davis says, it's hard not to pick five, six, or seven, but when I think of the moments that I really loved, they were all in episode two, specifically the gaffy stick montage and dance. I really liked seeing orphan Boba find a home again. Agreed. Retweet. All right, favorite episode, Nick, tell us before we uh, reveal the patrons. Wow. You know what? I'm going to go against my own gut right here. I want to say six, but I'm going to say five. And I'm sorry, again, Boba Fett. But five has such big, was such a big setup for where we're heading, I think, in the next couple of years with Mandalorian and every ensuing uh, series that comes on. Chapter six was just like insane as far as the visuals and seeing Luke. I mean, it was just so good. But chapter five, I think actually got me more excited about where we're heading because to me, the Luke stuff is done until they figure out a use for him again. Mm -hmm. So chapter five with where Mando is heading and we're going to Mandalore and Bo-Katan, Armorer, what's going on? Who knows? Very excited about that. So let's go with chapter five for me. Sarah? I don't want to agree with Nick again because I feel like all I'm doing <laughs> is agreeing with Nick. So <laughs> I will go chapter six, but not because of the Luke and Grogu stuff, but because of Peli Motto mm. and the montage of building his new ship. That was six, right? Mm. Was no, it? I think it was five. Was it? Yeah. I think. Oh, you're right. It is five because then he says he has to mm. go pay a little visit, a visit yeah, to a little friend. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Okay. I'm with you again. It's five. <laughs> Copier. Ugh. I am going to just echo everything that the two of you said, but choose chapter six <laughs> <laughs> because again, the Ahsoka and Luke stuff and then Cad Bane showing up yeah. Yeah. like what a reveal, dude, what an absolutely epic cinematic reveal of such a badass beloved character. So I'm going to go with chapter six. It's hard though. It's hard to pick just one because there's so many good moments throughout all of it. Yeah. Like, Chapter seven was just this culmination of everything we've built up to. That that would be my second choice would be chapter seven because you also see Boba Fett in it. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see what the patrons thought. Again, we polled the patrons on Patreon, a place where you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash thank the maker pod at any tier, any of the three tiers, you can be involved in these kind of polls. Patreon.com slash thank the maker pod. Thank you. 
The nominees, of course, were the the seven chapters, and the winner with 49% of the vote is chapter six, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Second place, not as far behind as I expected, was chapter two, The Tribes of Tatooine. I think the answer is that came in above chapter five or seven. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, 15 and 10% respectively, chapter five and seven. And then no votes for the other three. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page here. We podcast people and and the patrons. Well done. For sure. Good job with your opinions, patrons. Good (laughs) job having basically the same opinion as us and reinforcing (laughs) us and making us feel better. That's what we like to see. (laughs) No dissenting opinions allowed. (laughs) I was going to try to do like a a prediction scorecard, but I didn't have time to put that all together. And I don't think anyone was keeping track. We did recap though, episode to episode. We did pretty well ish i think still a handful of stuff like i i swore that bosk was going to show up i thought that kiro would probably show up at the end yeah thought we'd see the maybe the warrior woman i mean we were still at that uh, with those predictions we were still thinking that the series was mostly going to be boba fett true true you know and it just a wrench got thrown in it by episode five so a beautiful emotional uh, wrench yeah (laughs) It's the best wrench ever. <laughs> I'm going to hang this wrench from a necklace and wear it until I die. All right. What do you say we just wrap it up and just be done? Because we're, we're no doubt going to keep talking about the book of Boba Fett because we'll get the Disney gallery and we're going to try to get someone from the actual cast on to hang out with us in a subsequent episode. So more to come. Hashtag more to come, as they say. Sarah, do you want to tell these folks what you have going on in your life and what's up with your podcast? Oh boy. I got a lot going on in my life. Um, so as you know, I'm a Disney travel agent. I'm a travel agent of all things, but focusing in Disney and galactic star cruiser specifically going with all of you lovely people on star cruiser in just two short weeks. It'll be two short weeks from the day this episode drops. Yeah. Um, but I am also on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps on princess and scoundrel. My husband and I host a show where we talk about going to the Disney parks, Star Wars, Galactic Star Cruiser, all that fun stuff. So if Disney parks is your thing, check us out over there. I should mention also that with at least the Apple podcast and anchor search engines, the and symbol, the ampersand is the way to get the result straight away. You know, spelling out A&D doesn't bring it up right away for some Really? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I should also mention there was news this week of The Princess and The Scoundrel, the new Star Wars book about Han and Leia's wedding and honeymoon aboard the Galactic Star Cruiser, which makes us sound a little bit like uh, copycats. <laughs> <laughs> you did it first. We did, right? We got out there. We got Kinda. We got the social media handles locked down. <laughs> wow. So I didn't hear that part. The actual story, the marriage takes place. The marriage, on the, Star Cruiser? the honeymoon takes place on the Star honeymoon. Cruiser. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, marriage was on Endor, I assume, right? I don't remember. I don't know if they said. I don't know why I don't remember that. I, no, I think there's, wait, oh, I'm thinking of the uh, the conception. That was Endor. That was somewhere. No, that was the Falcon, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's in, in something, in a comic or something, right? Or some other novel. I thought something happened on Endor. I don't know. I Earth? think it did, and then I'm I sure think they I changed. I don't know. They've, they've changed it. We'll find out I'm in sure August. I'm sure some stuff went down in one of those tree houses, but <laughs> who knows. Um, Sarah, also, did you say where you can be found on social media? Oh, you can find me on social media at Sarah J. Mac on Instagram and TikTok, and you can find Princess and Scoundrel at Princess and Scoundrel Show on Instagram and Princess and Scoundrel on TikTok. Nick. Yes. Tell them. <laughs> 
all my social media is at Nick Bayside. And right now, episode number 33 of the radio radio show is out. I'm having so much fun doing that every week. And uh, I really appreciate everyone who's listening to it and writing me and requesting songs and all that type of stuff. So please listen. If you want to find some new music, hear some music news, touring news, whatever it is, come follow me over at Nick Bayside and find the link to the radio radio show on Instagram. Wizard. <laughs> if you want to follow this podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Thank the Maker Pod and on Twitter at Thank the Maker. All of my stuff is at Adam the Skull. Like I said earlier, if you want to be a patron of this podcast, if you want to support us and help us continue to do it, because it legitimately does help, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to do that. And that's it. We're done. <laughs> what, if that was just, what if I just rolled the thing? <laughs> Sarah, th- thank you so much uh, for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Ryan could be dead for all we know. We have no idea, so we're so happy that you could fill in. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where Ryan is. I do know, though. You know where the body is? I know where the body is. Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay, sick. We need to get him modded out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's at the parlor right now. Let's just mod, mod him out with like a microphone on his hand. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Patrons, thank you for being here. Everyone, thank you for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.